Hello and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHO's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse. From the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This podcast is about hearing their stories and how they might impact your day-to-day life. Whilst we are all worldwide have been focusing primarily on the infectious disease nature of COVID, we know that actually the indirect broader population health harms will have a much more significant medium and long-term impact on our populations than the tragedy of the infection in its own right. So now is the time really for governments and policymakers to start to work out how do they bridge that gap of equity um, in order to, to create that healthy and sustainable society. That's Tracy Cooper, Chief Executive of Public Health Wales. Wales is just one example of many around the WHO European region who are looking to health equity following the pandemic. WHO has been working closely with health authorities across the region, including Wales, to better understand the impacts of inequities in health on broader society, and how addressing these inequities can impact the health of individuals but also societies and economies. When we talk about inequities in health, this includes access to healthcare, but also broader issues such as exercise facilities, healthy diets and lower levels of poverty, which can have an impact on societal health as well. With this in mind, I started by asking Tracy, why is it important to reduce health inequities to build a fairer, healthier society? Oh, I think uh, managing health equity and, and improving health equity has, has become so polarised in the coronavirus pandemic. And so many of, certainly in Wales and so many countries worldwide, we had pre-existing really cha- significant challenges around inequalities and inequities before covid um, and just to give an example of, of some of the more global statistics since the, the pandemic. So over that last year, 150 million more people, which is 9.4% of the world's population, have been forced into extreme poverty by the recession. 51% of young people from 112 countries believe that their educational progress has been delayed. 14% of the world's entire workforce, 14%, have lost um lost jobs in the second quarter of 2020 so that's 495 million jobs uh, and how that's that's tallied across different inequalities work that we've been doing in the UK shows that the share of employees in the shutdown sectors by ages for us are 35.9 percent of those are under 25 year olds and 19.8 percent are 25 to 34 year olds and then the final context around that is 50% of employees in shutdown sectors for us are in the lowest income range. And that compares to 6% in the highest income range. So even before COVID, we had challenges. During COVID, as we know, it has just really broadened the inequalities and inequities and, and the gap that bridges health, education, income, housing, home has just got larger. So for me, uh, the compounding impact of COVID um, and trying to create healthy and sustainable societies for every nation, equity has got to be at the heart of that. So we understand more about the impact COVID-19 has had on societies and how this can impact health. 
But how is Public Health Wales addressing health inequities to leave no one behind in health? Um, we're really fortunate in Wales because we, the Welsh Government uh, put into law uh, a, the Wellbeing Future Generations Act back in uh, 2016. And this is a piece of legislation that is all about how we as a nation implement the UN Sustainable Development Goals, looking at how we can be globally responsible, uh, how we create a healthier Wales, a more equal Wales, Wales of vibrant culture. Um, and through the lens of the Wellbeing Future Generations Act, it is, it is requiring public services and sectors to make decisions that are in the long term, that are focused on prevention, that are taken in collaboration with partners and the public and that create a more integrated approach rather than a boundary approach. So, so we have a really rich, fortunate legislative and policy background to that, which has really come into its fore actually over the last 15 months. So uh, back in 2018, we were working because of that, working really closely with our friends and colleagues in the WHO and particularly WHO Europe and the Venice office. And we worked to establish a WHO collaborating centre uh, on investment for health and well-being. And we've got an amazing team in, in Public Health Wales who lead that for us. And we've been working particularly folk, particularly closely, as I say, with the Venice office on health equity, because for us, health equity is at the heart of really what the Wellbeing of Future Generation Act espouses, uh, a fair Wales, a more equal Wales. Um, and then in, in November of last year, 2020, after um, lots of discussions and work, uh, we were able to help support the WHO and the Welsh Government in establishing a memorandum of understanding, uh, which is really quite unique. Uh, and that's about how do we work together? How do we uh, share what's happening in Wales, learn from others? Uh, and our focus is very much about health equity and through the lens of how we can get stuff done, how we can really try and drive through the Act uh, as I say, a more equal Wales uh, fits in really nicely, I think, with all of the direction of travel and the commitments uh, that the WHO has made and is making around, around health equity. In addition to this, WHO has worked with Public Health Wales to produce a health equity status report to better understand the situation in Wales. These reports have been undertaken in a number of countries across the region. Now that, that takes all the amazing work uh, that Chris and the team have done in the Venice office and a framework that's been set up that looks at health in a nation through five essential conditions, looking at health services, looking at income security and social protection, uh, looking at living conditions, social and human capital and employment and working conditions. So before the pandemic, we were well on the way of looking at what that looks like for Wales. And obviously, like many public health institutes, we had to pause a lot of our work while we mobilised our teams into the infectious nature of the pandemic, which I'll come back to um, last year. So over the last number of months, we've con we continued uh, on uh, doing the uh, health equity status report for Wales, but we chose to do it through the lens of recovery and sustainability uh, following COVID. So we published this in March and this really looks at uh, what everything's connected to everything across the nation. How do we, uh, what does health equity look like through those essential conditions? Where are we at in Wales? And what are the interventions and recommendations from a policy perspective that we really need to be focusing on now, given the compounding impact and the 
broadening gaps in equity in Wales so that, so that, that we make the decisions today to create that healthier um, and more sustainable society going forward. So that's been a really important thing for us. And we are developing that into a digitised platform so that our partners in local government, in education, in health, can look at what it looks like for them at a regional level as well as nationally. So they can use that data in as real time as possible to make decisions, uh, which is going to be key. A couple of other examples, Greg, that we've been doing, um, engaging with the public has been really important to us. So since April, with the exception of, of the month of August, we've been producing, the Collaborating Centre has done one weekly public surveys, linking in with uh, 600 to 1,000 people across Wales every week and publishing this, asking some core questions through the pandemic and asking specific flavoured questions as we've moved through the pro progressive nature of the pandemic. Uh, and most importantly for us, giving an idea of um, how people are feeling uh, in relation to their mental well-being, in relation to um, uh, income. And on what we've seen in the trend of that is a, a, a significant uh, increase in the differentials in uh, people uh, in uh, areas of high deprivation compared to people living in the areas of low deprivation. And th that survey has given us and government rich information uh, in order to think through decisions that they're making around the pandemic and also the future. And then a, f a final couple of, uh, couple of elements for us. Um, we've been looking uh, particularly around the impact of the pandemic so we've done a number of health impact assessments looking at the impact of staying at home and working from home has a, uh, in, the impact it has across the different quintiles of deprivation, the impact it has around people's mental well-being, etc. And then secondly, looking at the impact that social distancing has had through a particular lens of, of young people and mental well-being. And all of these products are to help inform decisions that need to be made, looking at the status of that Wales is in uh, and what needs to happen. So our role is very much about providing evidence and support for others uh, and giving us really identifying really clear interventions that need to be targeted uh, to mitigate the broader harms of COVID. And my final point on this is whilst we are all worldwide have been focusing primarily on the infectious disease nature of COVID, we know that actually the indirect broader population health harms will have a much more significant medium and long-term impact on our populations than the tragedy of the infection in its own right. So now is the time really for governments and policymakers to start to work out how do they bridge that gap of equity um, in order to, to create that healthy and sustainable society. So while COVID has tragically shown the issues of inequities in society and health, what can be learned from this experience to strengthen health systems in future? We, we work very closely with our partner National Public Health Institutes around the world. We've, we've hung together very closely through the pandemic. And last week we were talking about the opportunities of riding on that wave of knowledge and interest around public health to really try and mobilise society for people to take some self-responsibility around public health, but also to make sure that public health, be it health protection, be it health and well-being, health improvement, it becomes mainstreamed in modules for children at school, for people going through uh, uh, higher education, further education, for employees. Um, so rather than us just thinking about the workforce that is a specialist workforce, how do we, um, 
uh, raise the profile of really key elements uh, around the, the breadth of public health and health equity that comes with that and resilience that comes with that um, to broaden the, the role that, that everybody has in, in society. Uh, we were having discussions with our, all of our local government chief executive colleagues um, uh, last week talking about their, their interest and how they see recovery for them is uh, a challenge to us about how we can support them in community resilience, you know, building that knowledge and that workforce, uh, not only for environmental health protection, but also for health and well-being. So how do we work together with them, you know, in an integrated way that just focuses around mitigating the harms that we've talked about, the socioeconomic harms, building community resilience, tackling mental well-being, uh, reducing absolute inequities in all the decisions that are being made. Um, and I, so I think that's really important. There's also, so there is a, there is a, uh, a, a green priorities together, making decisions together, building workforces together in a very innovative way. But there's also about how, how public bodies in our country choose to spend their money in order to stimulate local growth, local economy, um, more roles, more jobs, more development, more training. So for me, it's a whole system approach to this. It's not just about recruiting a workforce and broadening knowledge about health equity. It's a cultural deliberation that needs to be driven through society, driven through uh, the pipeline from children and young people through to people in older age, how decisions are made around uh, allocation of resources and how from a specialist public health perspective, we can help others build that knowledge around health equity and indeed public health. So we now have a better understanding of the work being undertaken in Wales to understand and improve health equity, but what about the broader WHO European region? I spoke to Chris Brown at WHO's European Office for Investment for Health and Development in Venice, who explained a bit more. Actually, uh, COVID has really highlighted uh, that those who were left behind with poor health have been more dramatically impacted by COVID. So we've seen more higher infection rates, We've seen, unfortunately, higher mortality rates and their risk of poverty. Um, and this is affecting uh, the bottom 20% of the population in all European member states. So in response to that, uh, we've seen now a big um, response from countries to put Health Equity Central in their prevention plans. And some nice examples of those are the Ministry of Health of Italy. We've seen it also in the Ministry of Health of Slovenia and also in North Macedonia. What's very interesting is they're doing it in very different ways. And this we encourage because there isn't just one way that we can really tackle health inequalities. So in the context of Italy, Italy has put uh, health equity as a uh, top priority objective in their national prevention plans, they're working with regional governments to translate that goal into regional prevention plans linked to their regional development plans so that health equity stretches beyond the health sector into working with the development sector. And that leads me to another group of countries which include Iceland, Finland, Scotland, Ireland and North Macedonia 
who are saying if we want to recover in a way that is healthy and fair for everybody and level up those people who have been left behind before, we need to build an economy of well-being. So here we have these countries who are saying our welfare systems and our health systems will not be able to cope with the huge demands in terms of poverty, poor health and unemployment. The only way that we can have a fairer and healthier society is if we put equity as a central goal, as an investment priority in all recovery policies and financing frameworks. So if I take, for example, North Macedonia, North Macedonia has just completed uh, a health equity impact and mitigation assessment uh, exercise, which has helped them to pinpoint more specifically who has been most affected with what kinds of effects for health and their ability to participate in society. They've also gone further and said, what is the consequences if we don't tackle health inequalities for our ability to recover and have sustainable and peaceful recovery? And then they've used that to bring 60 different stakeholders across North Macedonia, across government, all UN agencies, NGOs, all sectors, to put health and equity central in their recovery policy. So this is um, really um, to be sort of commended and, and North Macedonia is now uh, using their learning as part of working with other countries in that region to champion health equity as central to recovery of the region. Health equity is at the centre of WHO Europe's European programme of work. Chris explains why this is important for the future of health in Europe else that we're seeing and that is that the new European uh, program of work United in Action for Better Health has put equity central and leaving no one behind as a core goal and using that framework we have been able to convene partnerships particularly partnerships with organizations working with the most vulnerable in society where our health systems and our economic systems are blind to understanding their needs and therefore being able to respond to them. Also looking with other NGOs at a pan-European level to make sure that in pan-European recovery policies, the needs of the most marginalised are better understood and then we can improve our service design to prevent these blind spots and ensure that we create safe, secure lives for everybody. And, and you and I both know that when we, when we achieve these goals for health equity, the benefits are also for wider society. So it, it's interesting to know that in a recent survey, 84% of all citizens in the European Union and beyond that believe that reducing inequalities should be at the top of their government agenda. So working with countries, with groups of countries and with pan-European partners, we are really um, embedding uh, improvement of everybody's lives, but with a focus on levelling up and accelerating the rate of those who have been left behind to have better health and better prosperity. So we understand the importance of addressing inequities in health and how Wales is a leader on this issue. But what does Tracy have to say to other cities, regions, nations to inspire them to reduce inequities and build this fairer, healthier world? Um, we have been using the word syndemic with our partners in Wales, a syndemic being a, being a simultaneous um, series of epidemics uh, in society. And in this context, it's the epidemic of the infection, 
the epidemic of the burden of disease that we're accruing already. Uh, we accrued before, but during the pandemic and the uh, the epidemic of the socioeconomic harms that are taking place. Um, so I think for, for me, the message is we can't wait to act. We've got global disparities before the pandemic. We continue to have global disparities and, and inequalities within and between countries. And so for us to really try and recover um, into even a, a, a nation creating some sustainability around its fiscal and economic um, status, that can only come by looking at the relationship between health bet as individuals and the systems, between education, between housing, um, the, all of the essential conditions that we were talking about earlier. Because actually, until we look at the interventions that ensure that there is optimum in all of those, we have the potential to have deteriorating health, increasing burden on health care, people not able to either be in work because of the, the impact it has had and the skewed impacts that I was talking about on different age ranges and different people, people in different uh, quintiles of deprivation. So we and these are the most vulnerable anyway. So we know that there is a double impact on the, the actions that COVID have driven, understandably, that have resulted in, for example, job losses and the fact that actually those who are most vulnerable and in the most fragile um, of, of works are, are those who have been most impacted. So we know this. Um, and, and if we don't think about a, a, a running a country, um, uh, uh, being mindful of the connections between all of those different essential conditions, then, as I say, we will not have people in tax payable status for uh, for sufficient times. We'll have people who need to access benefits, who will be on um, income support for longer times. They are more likely then to deteriorate in their their health and well-being, and therefore, a targeted interventions that look at mitigating those broader harms but targeted on, particularly focused on the most vulnerable in society, because there's a bigger gap. There was before the pandemic, there is even a larger gap now. And, and the reducing that gap to make to ensure that, that countries are fairer, but are actually sustainable, economically sustainable, will require targeted deliberation, targeted interventions, and how we share that through the WHO, how we share it through the work we've been doing in many other countries, so that people can have an idea of what's happening and what, what's working in different countries, um, I, I, I think is key. And I guess my final point on this is I was talking last week with colleagues in other public health, national public health institutes, and, and I was liken, likening the last 15 months to being our first leadership moment in the pandemic, which was about mobilising to address the infectious nature of the pandemic. We are now, not just as public health institutes, but as governments, I believe, with the support of the WHO, well and truly in our second leadership moment, which is about tackling and mitigating the broader harms and reducing uh, the inequities that exist, because we simply don't have any choice if we're going to really create uh, and try and move back into healthier and more sustainable uh, and viable societies. Thanks to Tracy Keeper from Public Health Wales and Chris Brown for taking part in the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about health equity, you can do so on the WHO Europe website. That's euro.who.int. This episode was presented by me, Greg Bianchi. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.